The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. All right, everybody, it is Wednesday night, August 31st, 2022, the last day of August. I, man, holy crap, I can't believe this year is literally three-quarters of the way gone now. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, the guy with the award-winning beard, DJ, and I'm going to go around the room. We are running with a three-man weave tonight from the Rob the Genius Podcast, the Minister of Truth, and I totally flaked on that because my brain is fried this week already. The Minister of Truth, Mr. Rob, how are you, sir? Good, good, good. All right. And a man who is bound and determined at some point to go through a barbershop window, Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hello, my friends. It is wonderful to be back. All right. So we've got a fairly loaded show this week. i uh, got a lot we want to talk about. going to be definitely talking Clash at the Castle a little bit later on in the episode. Uh, we also want to talk a little bit about the, the, the seeming 180 that wrestling media and the, the, the news with the Z sites are doing on, one a, uh, on AEW right now. Um, AEW been in the mud for, if you ask me, they've been in the mud for three years. But most noticeably, most notably, if I can talk tonight, this is going to be a long episode. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> just, AEW has been making the news for all the wrong reasons. Tony Khan just seems to be out of control. The inmates seem to be running the asylum and the whole ship just seems to be just spinning in a maelstrom right now. We're going to talk about some of that. Talk about the, the, the 180 that the wrestling media has done on them. Rob's got a few things about the fans he wants to get off his chest. And then we are going to you know, have Rob go into some data and some facts and figures here later on tonight. Want to kick off the show with, uh, you know, been trying to do something a little bit different with these episodes, start off, lead off with something other than wrestling, because while this is primarily a wrestling show, we do have uh, other interests, other things we're interested in. I QT'd something on Twitter uh, yesterday. That's at the mindless pod. If you want to look it up, uh, pulling that up real quick. The um, somebody posted out if you could green light the sequel to any movie, what would it be? And some people had some interesting takes. And me, I basically answered, I've got a whole list. And I posed this to the guys earlier on today. Uh, come up with a list. And at first I said three. And then I was like, 
man, I can do three right off the top of my head. I did five right off the top of my head. So I was like, give me three for sure. If you can do five, we can go with it. Jason, how many did you come up with? Uh, I have two off the top of my head, uh, and I was working on a third, but I've got a lot of honorable mentions, so I, I can come up with five pretty quick. Okay. Rob, how many did you come up with, buddy? Okay. So I got three that did not get a sequel. I came up with a fourth one that did, but I would like for them to have redone it <laughs> or do something or done something better. <laughs> and while we're talking, I'm sure I can scrounge up a fifth. Yeah, I came up with a with a sixth one while on my on my drive home. I was like going over my own list in my head. I'm like, bam, there's another one. And I'm sure as we keep talking, there will probably be something else pop up. I promise you guys, I'm not going to take up the entire show talking about this. Let's start with Jason. Why don't you get into your two? Okay, so my first one is the because just let's live in a world where they're going to pretend to continue the WB Snyderverse or the WB DC universe, whatever they want to call it, um, despite it being in very much, a lot of peril right now. So they don't have a Green Lantern yet. And you know what? Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern was friggin' awesome. And that movie was really, really good. I enjoyed it because they took a big, they took a lot of risks with, um, especially the visuals, how the how the rings worked, how the how the OA was was, how the uniforms looked, everything like that, and how they how the rings projected their powers and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Mark Strong was incredible as Sinestro, and they tease a Sinestro getting a yellow ring at the end of the movie, you know, teasing a sequel which never happened. And Ryan Reynolds is Hal Jordan. So um, I will yeah. die on the hill that Ryan, whatever problems I may have had with Green Lantern, because I 100% agree with you, uh, whatever problems I may have had with Green Lantern, Ryan Reynolds was not on the list of problems. Right. No, 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 there were, then don't get me wrong. There were problems with that movie that I, well, I don't want to dump on it. But My only it was, real big problem was how they handled Parallax. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beyond yes. that, I had no problem with the movie. My only issue, real issue with it was oh. Parallax. But the problem is he's a giant part of the movie. So, you know, it, it kind right. of messes the whole thing formula up. But, yeah, because Parallax and the emotional spectrum spirits and whatnot in the comic books is one of my favorite comic book stories, period, end of sentence. Right. So, um, so to see them fumble that part of it was really, really rough. Yeah. But like you said, we cannot lay one iota of failure of that movie on Ryan, at Ryan Reynolds' feet because he had a he had a home run with what he was given. Yeah, and my my take on that movie was I loved all the outer space stuff and when they were on Oa and all of that. Didn't really the Earth stuff. I didn't really do it for me. Um, but. It's a to me. It's a perfectly watchable movie. I I would have really loved to see Mark Strong get a full run as bad guy Sinestro. Like I said, he did. He did oh, I thought man. I thought he did great. I thought he was perfect in that role. Um, and shame that we didn't, you know, get that. Um, Whenever I read uh, Sinestro in the comics, I hear Mark Strong. Absolutely. And, yeah, and man, I just. That to me, that I mean, that's one of like the best relation, like kind of good guy bad guy relationships out there. Um, 
from being in the comics, period. Oh, my God. And Jeff Johns, when they... My my when I started collecting comics again, it was around the Green Lantern Rebirth time. Um, so they would kind of, obviously by the title, you can tell they kind of give uh, Green Lantern a restart. Hal Jordan hadn't been around as Green Lantern in comic books for real life ten years, you know. So I grew up with Kyle, with Kyle Rayner. Um, so then I started collecting comic books, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, and then the. Emotional spectrum war, the war of light, all that stuff with the blue lanterns, yellow lanterns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like with the world they built in that movie, if you just did a war of light arc, that would have been so cool. Visually, it would have been absolutely incredible. So yeah. that's a big that didn't happen. And they gave Easter eggs. Like, doesn't he call? Uh, I forget her name at the top of my head, right? But did he call her Star Sapphire at one point? In the movie, her call sign her. So she she is a pilot. And She's a pilot, sign. and her call sign is Star Sapphire. It's Sapphire, but yeah. I, okay, Sapphire. I thought he called her Star Sapphire. So yeah, okay. It's, it's it was a definite, you know, definite Easter egg. Yeah, deliberate. Okay. So what was your uh, what was your other movie? Uh, my other actually, and this Mile Twenty Two is one of the most underrated dumb action movies of the last 10 years. It's Mark Wahlberg and Ronda Rousey and a couple other people that I can't name, that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, it is an, a, an extraction thriller. They have to get a state asset out of a enemy controlled city and they have to get him to an airstrip until the, before the bad guys, you know, shoot him. So it's a chase. It's a thriller. Um, and there's a lot of intrigue with, the information this guy has and you know it's time sensitive information and all that stuff it culminates in a huge huge twist at the end that absolutely perfectly sets up a revenge spy versus sub spy sequel that just never happened um john malkovich uh, is in it and he's absolutely awesome um, and it's just a fun, turn-your-brain-off thriller. I mean, Ronda Rousey's in it, guys. She didn't win any Oscars. But, yeah, they, they set up a, a couple of... They set it up very, very well for a sequel, and it just never happened. So, mile 23, maybe one day. Okay. Rob, what you got, buddy? All right, so I got two that I'm going to run through real quick, and then the third one I'm going to spend some time on here. All right. So, first one is a solo with Star Wars story. Uh, I absolutely love that movie. I think it gets a totally bad rap. I think it's, I've watched that movie a million times. I think it's like the greatest thing ever out of all the, the Disney Star Wars movies. And it didn't get a sequel because it, it tanked at the box office. Um, and there was, you know, there's a bunch of stories about, you know, backstage drama and whatnot. And it tanked at the box office, so it didn't get a sequel. They should make one anyway. Okay. <laughs> I never thought I would say this because when they first announced a solo movie, I took shit. I was like, nah, there ain't but one Han Solo and and that's it, pal. I'm not watching it. I don't give a damn. And I I didn't see it in the theater. I'll be dead honest with you. A buddy of mine let me borrow the Blu-ray. And I tell you what, I was pleasantly surprised by what we got. Solo was a damn fine Star Wars movie. Of all this, the the stories that needed to be told, arguably the least, 
they really killed it with like a Han Solo movie. Like, cause really, who was really clamoring for a Han Solo movie? Like, we got me. Yeah, like we get it. You won the Falcon from Lando, you know, and Chewie's your buddy, and we don't gotta, we don't need. I mean, it's cool, and what we got was awesome, but. At the time, we didn't need to know all that stuff. We would, no, yeah. do something with the Jedi. Do something with, you know, you know, Darth Maul. Do this, do that. But no, they went to Solo, and they, it actually was the right decision. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, my second That's, one. That said, the sequel to Solo, the sequel to Solo is called Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that's fair. That's fair. So. Okay, uh, my second one was uh, Man of Steel. That's another kind of no-brainer one, and also because all the WB drama. Unfortunately, we're more than likely not going to get that. Um, you know, I thought you know Cavill was outstanding. Uh, I thought Man of Steel was. I thought it was really great, and I wish people didn't, you know, you know, soil their diapers about him killing generals out at the end. It wasn't that you know. I mean. That's the whole point. Hey, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant about that. Uh, that's the whole point. That's the whole thing that makes him not take up the not killing thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hate people. And they, they actually explore that in the film. Like, right. you can tell as soon as he does it, it absolutely guts him that he exactly. was forced to make an impossible choice. And so many people miss that nuance. Right. Thing. Oh, go ahead, Jason. Well, I got more. Well, go ahead. I'd say it was. Oh, so do I. It's going to reinforce that point. It's just that, like, that's like, I don't know. I wish Bruce Wayne's parents didn't get murdered so that by a gun, so that he would not, he would swear off guns. It's like I don't know. That's the whole point, guys. That's where it started. Right. Yeah, and then and then the other thing, um, the way people just deliberately misinterpret Jonathan Kent. Um, oh God. Like the like. Oh, he he's a stick in the mud. Oh, he's he's terrible and oh, you know, and because they actually posed the question when we like, well, should I have let those people die? And then he doesn't know because he's worried. This is his son, and he's worried that as soon as you show these powers, the feds are going to come take you away from us, and they're going to experiment on you and do God knows what. And right, so right now, I don't know what to tell you to do. Right, I mean, I. Uh, yeah, you probably should save those kids if that happens again, but I can't just tell you that straight up because once you do that, and then we don't know what's coming after that. that and, was, oh, and I'm it, sorry, Rob. Go ahead. And he even explained to me like, "Look, you're going to figure it out for yourself." Yeah. Um, and he played, he played Jonathan Kent perfectly because Jonathan Kent is a guy who didn't intend on being a father. All of a sudden, a kid from another planet literally lands on his doorstep and he goes, okay, well, I have to be a dad now. Guess what? He's an imperfect dude. That's one of the cool things about Superman is that he was raised by normal people. He's a God raised by normal people. Yeah. And Jonathan Kent is as normal as you can get when he, when his son poses the question, Hey, I have all these gifts. What should I do with them? And his dad goes, I don't friggin' know. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is unprecedented here. You're the first of your kind. You know? right. <laughs> How do we answer that? There were so many little nuances. And I think the thing that irritated me the most is oh. so many people, again, they, they complained about him killing Zod. They complained about the morally gray um, 
you know, Jonathan Kent. They complained about the dark undertone of the movie. They wanted this true blue and red Superman that we got from the Christopher Reeve movies. The problem was, um, what the hell's his name? Brian Singer developed, gave us that movie 10 years earlier, and everybody shit on that one too. He gave us the Superman everybody says they wanted. Nobody liked that one. So, you know, <clears throat> Zack Snyder takes a risk, goes in a slightly different direction. Yes, we understand Superman has a moral code of ethics that he follows. But my question is, why does he have it? Let's go on that journey. Let's find out why doesn't Superman kill? Why does Superman, but why? Because he's a farm boy from Iowa? That's okay. That's a bit of an explanation. But let's go, let's explore the why. And nobody's ever explored the why as to, you know, what happens. And then one of the things they were going for is what would happen if Superman came to Earth, like real Earth? How would people react? How would people accept or not accept him? And I, I think Zack Snyder delivered that as honestly and as fairly as anybody could have with Man of Steel. And particularly in a post 9-11 world. Yes. Um, right. I mean, yeah, it's just, I mean... And then, you know, how he, you know, he, he wins over the military, you know, by showing that he's, you know, his in, inherent goodness. And, yeah. and, all, and all through the movie, he's doing, like, good Samaritan acts, right? He's, he saves the people on the oil rig to open up the movie. Um, he saves Lois Lane early on. He, you know, and he does, he's doing all of these things to save people. And there it is. There's so many, right? Good. Even as a kid, he saves the bus. Right. Yeah. And 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 he lets the kids beat him up when he was a kid rather than even though he could have ripped their heads off. And yeah. and, and there are a bunch of these dumb writers on the Internet who were like, well, he doesn't save anybody in the whole movie. Like, yes, he does. You dumbass. Did you watch the same movie that we watched? <laughs> right. And so and I know I need to keep moving. So but anyway, that that's my number two. Those are my those are my two no brainers. Um, my third one, and I mentioned this earlier, as a little western that came out in 1995 called The Quick and the Dead. And it is really weird why it was not a big... I, I don't know why it didn't wasn't a bigger hit than... I don't know how much money it made or whatever. I don't, but I don't know why it wasn't more successful than it was. I mean, you look at the cast. At that time, in 1995, you have Russell Crowe, Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Leonardo DiCaprio, Keith David... Gary Sinise, like, I mean... Yeah, like a who's who. Yeah, and it was directed by Sam Raimi a few years before, years before Spider-Man, of course. Um, and it was an outstanding movie, and it has, like, all the kind of the classic Western things, and Gene Hackman is just the perfect villain as, like, the evil mayor slash sheriff, and, you know, Russell Crowe is his kind of former partner who's trying to live better, and... Sharon Stone comes into town to avenge her father's death, and it is. And and Leonardo DiCaprio is great as the kid. He's like Gene Hackman's illegitimate son, and it's all centered around this like gunfighting tournament that Hackman sets up basically because he wants all his enemies to get in the tournament so he can kill them all. <laughs> and so you know, and Sharon Stone enters it so that she can kill him and get revenge. And then you know they force. You know, he kidnaps Russell Crowe and forces him to be in the tournament. And you know, Russell Crowe's character is like a preacher at that point. He's you know he's trying to live right. 
And oh, and one of the best lines ever. Um, so when Crow's character is, in, is, he's been saying the whole time, look, I'm not going to fight. I'm not doing this. You put me out there. I'm just going to let the guy kill me. And so they put him out there and he reverts the form and he kills his opponent. Right. And, and so Hackman comes up to him and is like, and he says, this is one of the best lines ever. He's like, you put a fox in the hen house, he will have chicken for dinner. <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> And I mean, just hearing Hackman say that, well, you know, in full Gene Hackman mode, it's like, oh shit, like damn. I mean, all right, Rob, it is now, it is a legitimately fantastic movie, and probably one of the reasons that Raimi got the Spider-Man gig. So, Rob, real quick, and somebody fast forward three minutes if you've never seen this movie, but very quickly, Rob, walk me through a sequel. Um. Well, at the end, okay, so at the end. All right, Russell Crowe, well, Sharon Stone tosses Russell Crowe her dad's old sheriff badge, basically telling him, you're the sheriff now. She rides off into the sunset. So right. it's just, I mean, it's just, you do your standard sequel, you know, new bad guys come to town, got to get the gang back together. I guess so. I don't know, the only thing I'm, uh, the reason I say that is because the movie ended so satisfyingly. I oh, understand yeah. you, you want a sequel because it's just because you like the movie, but I was like, it ended so well. It's like, yeah, I oh, guess yeah. you could do the rehash, but I mean, it was, you know, I mean, it was very, just a very definitive ending, and we won't spoil all the yeah. details. But yeah, I just, I mean, I love that movie so much. Uh, I'm gathering that Rob may be a bit like me. He gets attached to characters, and he wants to see those characters' journeys continue. I'm like that. I'll take a mediocre movie, but if there are characters in there that I really, really, really liked, or if I'm, I'm find myself um, just gripped by their individual stories i want to see those stories continue yeah like um well u.s marshals was an okay sequel to the fugitive but i really sam gerard is one of my favorite movie characters yeah and it was and, fun to see the next step in the story yeah and i and look if they if, if they had cooked up a third movie and i would have gladly gone to see sam gerard one more time yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, that's like we were talking in the chat the other day about uh, the TV show 24 with Keeper Sutherland. It got long in the tooth by the later seasons, but I loved Jack Bauer. So I, I could have given a shit. Jack Bauer probably could have worked at a Target. And I probably would have watched a couple episodes of whatever that season was just to see what this guy's next step was. And, I mean, I got that way with uh, Angel. I, yep. yeah, I, over, I really took a liking to Angel over time as a character. Yeah, so you you do you invest time in the characters, even if the even if the show has well passed run its course. Tina and I were doing that with Supernatural. They they ended with what thirteen seasons of Supernatural, wow, and, or something. <laughs> like, I, I probably overshot the mark on that, but still, it probably went about five seasons longer than it needed to. But Sam and Dean Winchester are badass characters, like they really are just badass. And Jensen Eccles is amazing. So we we definitely you know invested a lot of more time in that than we probably should have. So I'm going to burn through my list real quick, and then we're going to go to a commercial, and then go on to the next segment. Uh, one of them we already talked about on my list was Man of Steel. Not much more I can say about that. I agree with you know everything you guys said, and that's a movie. I, Henry Cable deserves another chance, man. Uh, piggybacking on that, I need a sequel to Zack Snyder's Justice League. I need, they need to park a boatload of money in front of Ben Affleck and Henry Cable and Zack Snyder 
and make this happen because I need to know, I need to see the pals against dark side. Like I, I need another four hour movie wrapping that whole thing up. It just, what, yeah, what we were given probably, ended up being. I'm going to guess up? you might, I'm going to guess you might need a new flash. So. Uh, of everything yeah. that I could say about Zack Snyder's um, entire timeline, the casting almost everywhere was spot on. Even the side characters were, you know, Jeremy Irons as Alfred, oh, I love um, Lawrence Fishburne. It just, it was awesome. Just awesome casting. And then Ezra Miller. And this was even before all the, the problematic shit with Ezra Miller came out. That was the one odd casting that I, I just never felt. Like, and, and I don't say that just because of where we're at now. He just seemed, like, like he would have been a great Wally West. There, not, there it is. Yes, That's it. He was a great, he would have been a great Wally West, not a great Barry Allen. Even at the beginning, Barry was mature and, that, you know, he's that. a scientist. Yes, yes. So, you know, aside from Ezra Miller, I, I need a sequel to Zack Snyder's Justice League. Next one up was, uh, and I absolutely love this movie. I've probably watched this one more than just about anything that's come out in the last three to five years. Alita Battle Angel. I absolutely fell in love with that flick. I saw it in the theater, and it was just it blew my mind. Not only visually, I thought the story was gripping. I, I got into, as again, this is a movie about characters that I got into. I really dug her as a female lead. Um, it, it was just all around. I want to play in that universe a little bit more. Uh, the next one up on my list, I just have my list up in front of me. What did I do with it? Uh, Carl Urban's Dread. Did you guys see that? Not, yeah. I saw the original one with Stallone, and that was not good. Oh, pals. <laughs> not good. <laughs> pals, it, man, you got to watch Carl Urban's Dread. So in the polar opposite of the quick and the dead problem, the Dread movie was just literally issue 58 of some comic book. It was literally a day in the life of Dread, yep. and there you go. At the end of the day, he's going to clock, in, clock out, and he's going to clock in for another day. So you could yep. just do you could do seventeen of those movies, and I would go see every single one. Absolutely, it was it was violent. It was more on par with the. Now I didn't dislike the Stallone version. I thought the Stallone version was fun for what it was, but the, the Carl Urban one was just it was spot on. It was violent. He was awesome. Carl Urban hits it out of the park. Everything I've ever seen him in. And then my last one, and and again, I may spend just a minute on this one. John Carter, I, I walk away, woman. <laughs> walk away, woman. I'm, I'm laughing at you too. <laughs> I enjoyed John Carter, and there was so much surrounding this film, and a lot of people, because it was kind of hard to do an actual John Carter movie, because my understanding, these are one, these are hundred-year-old stories to begin with, and two, they weren't like long novelizations; they were short stories. And like little things, so you're trying to compile all this into a cohesive two-hour movie. And I thought they did as well as anybody could have. But again, this was one of those things that came down to characters. Taylor Kitsch was okay. Like, he wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He was fine. He was serviceable. But I, I got to give, again, we're coming back around to Mark Strong. Mark Strong was the main villain in John Carter, and he hit it out of the park. You know, and, and they left this. I don't know if you guys saw John Carter. Uh, no, I did not. Now, you know, it's it's a nice two hour ride. It's a beautifully it's a visually beautiful film. It's a fun 
shut your mind off and, and just go have fun with it type of movie. Um, I'm not going to sit here and try and, and, and argue that it's an Oscar worthy thing. Um, but if you sat through Avatar and you enjoyed Avatar enough, you'll definitely get a kick out of John Carter. That's fair, so, I think. Yeah, no, that, like I said, that was my list. That was just things that I came up with off the top of my head. There's probably easily a dozen or so more that I could go into. Either one of you guys got anything else on this segment? Uh, well, one more. Like, well, one that got a sequel that I wish had been better was uh, another Western, uh, Young Guns, the... You know, the, the Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland and was, was Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh, the first one was excellent. And it was, you know, it was a, you know, Billy the Kid story, you know. And then for the, the second one, starts out really good, but it just becomes totally, like, depressing, like, in the last half of it. And it just kind of kills the whole vibe. And so... I would have really liked if they had made a better sequel to that one than they did. Another confession time for me that's probably going to blow your mind. I've never seen either one of the Young Guns movies. Oh, watch the first. The first one is excellent. Oh, my god. Yeah. Ever, Tina keeps trying to talk me into watching it. And, I again, this is a mental block. Kind of like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Top Gun, and some other things. I had a mental block with certain movies in the 80s. It was like it was just a dumb thing that I did. It was like, you got to watch this. you got to watch this. I'm like, I don't got to do shit, but nothing. So I just never got around to watching them. Yeah. Some point uh, I'll sit down. I'll do like a day marathon and I'll watch all the stuff that I refuse to watch. Because <laughs> um, license to drive, never seen it. Uh, you, well, I, I saw it back then, but yeah, you know, you know. I don't think it aged well. Yeah. No. Oh no, a lot of those eighties movies that, that that John Hughes stuff, those movies were rapey as all get out. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> Um, wow. I mean, you go back and you watch some of that stuff. They're, I mean, they're drugging these teenage girls and sticking yeah. their hands down. All right. Why don't we do this? Let's take a quick commercial break here. And when we come back from the commercial break, we are going to get into what this podcast is actually about. Uh, we didn't actually come here to talk movies with you tonight. We came here to talk wrestling. When we get back from the commercial break, we are going to dig into this uh, seemingly uh, 180 degree turn that wrestling media has taken on AEW. AEW really taken it on the chin over the last few uh, weeks to months. And we're going to get into that right after the commercial break. You are listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Podcast, part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc 
And we're back with the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Uh, right before the break, I told you we were going to get into it here. AEW has certainly uh, made the news for all the wrong reasons in the last few weeks to months. We talked a lot of CM Punk uh, a couple weeks ago. Actually, he's kind of dominated the podcast here at, at least in the last week. Not going to talk a whole lot of CM Punk tonight. What we want to get into here is the 180 that wrestling media seems to have taken on AEW. Now, they, that wrestling media was pretty much in the pocket with them from day one. Like, it was anti-WWE. It was anything but WWE. Wrestling media was there for it. Regardless of whether it was good or not wasn't the point. It was it was not WWE. They were here for it. They put it over even if it was garbage. And now yeah. that the new paint smell has kind of, kind of the new car smell, so to speak, has kind of worn off. Now they're starting to change their tune. Rob, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah. All right. So basically, yeah, like you said, you know, wrestling media has been in the tank for them before they even got started. Uh, they were all, you know, all gung ho about their, oh, we finally have an alternative. And what I've said back then was, well, you know, Ring of Honor exists, Impact Wrestling exists. There are alternatives. Y'all want, y'all don't just don't want an alternative. Y'all want somebody to basically just going to be loud and scream fed in the mud. Right. Um, and AEW gave that to them. So these guys, they, I mean, they, and then look, Tony, you know, he did the media scrums. He invites them all in and, and everything and made nice with everybody. And meanwhile, over in WWE land, you still had you know the evil old Vince McMahon basically just giving the the, the Heisman to all the wrestling media <laughs> and just not giving them time of day for anything unless you know they want to unless they're you know leaking a fake story to them or something. And also, a lot of these wrestling media folks are people who. Probably, well, like I said, need to take a break. <laughs> I mean, and they're just, and you know, but man, so they've been in the they've been in the tank for AEW from day one, and it wasn't until like Vince. It, it's crazy because everything syncs up with Vince retiring. And and Cornell, another thing is that they, these guys now they they did love Hunter right and over at NXT until you know the Monday night until the Wednesday night you know skirmish happened started right but you know the, the old man leaves and now hunter is in charge and then everything changed and now you you hear these people just waxing poetic about how how much better wwe television is and now that that happened they're i would say they're actually just, they're paying attention to the things that kind of always existed in AEW. But they didn't want. They never mentioned, right? And and this is not the dump on AEW, by the way. In this this particular case, I know we shit on them a lot, but this is not to shit on them. They are a wrestling company. They have good things. They have bad things. They have in between things. Okay. Um, but these wrestling media folks completely just either ignored or hand waved the bad stuff, and because that was the in vogue thing to do on the internet. But now that the old man is gone, it's almost like, you know, the, the, the boogeyman isn't there anymore. It's kind of like, well, what are we supposed to do? And 
And then now you start paying attention to what's going on over in AEW land. And now they're actually doing some negative reporting. And now, yes. Rob, a quick example of just them all of a sudden keeping, suddenly we're, you know, grading people on the same curve. Um, Aside from a few folks that I know who love women's wrestling and they, you know, that kind of stuff. I had never seen, you know, the pie chart of time versus women's wrestling time uh, get exposed as I have in the uh, on Dynamite anyway, get exposed as I have in the last couple of weeks. Just like a notable people saying like, oh, it's 931 and it's the first women's segment. It's, you know, oh, that was only two minutes. Oh, that was only one minute and 44 seconds. You know, suddenly it's a lot of people making note of that. Um, and so that's kind of one example of just how the attitude, nothing has changed in terms of their behavior, but all of a sudden the notice of that behavior has suddenly happened. Right. And then like the whole idea, like now it's this big revelation that everybody doesn't get along backstage. It's not all sunshine and rainbows backstage. And we've been saying stuff like that forever because it's the workplace. It's never sunshine and rainbows for everybody. You know, it's the workplace. People don't all get along. People have competing goals and competing aspirations. There are going to be people who butt heads. There are going to be people who don't like each other. It's the workplace. Well, especially in an industry like pro wrestling, everybody who gets into the business thinks they're the next big thing. If you don't, get out. Like, And that's not a knock on wrestlers. You should. You know, you get into that business thinking you're going to be the next Rock, the next Brock, the next Steve Austin. You know, you're going to be the next big thing. And now you've got all these, and a lot of these kids are young. You know, there's a lot of young talent on AEW that are trying to make a name for themselves. And there's probably going to be some hotheads. And there's guys that are, you know, obviously, as we've discussed at length on this show, a lot of those young kids who came there from day one, who got in on the ground floor, are now watching guys like, and no offense to these guys, there's a reason why they're getting more time. Keith Lee, Adam Cole, Balakai Black. You know, these are guys, one, you do want to put on TV because they have actual TV experience and they can work. But a lot of these guys now are, are, are looking at things a little differently than they did three years ago. So, yeah, there's, there's going to be some, some heavy – it's already a competitive shark and field industry, and you've got a guy running the show – who doesn't have that strong hand like Vince did. Yeah, people will bitch and moan about, oh, well, Vince handpicks who he wants to be the champ. There's a reason for that. Because not everybody who walks in the door is a is a top-level performer-type person. And TK, TK ain't going to – he's not going to take, the, take the, the, the bull by the horns in that respect. At least I don't think he is. He has not shown me – that he's willing to step up to that locker room because he's too busy being everybody's buddy and everybody's friend to say, hey, look, this is who's going. Now, granted, there's a sphere of people, and it's a very small sphere, who have been at the top of the card. But for the people that are clawing and scratching, it's he's not looking at them the way he should be. Yeah, and it's... Um, and And then also you have, like, okay... CM Punk is a man who has goals and aspirations and he's very aggressive about pursuing them. You know, right or wrong. And to be honest, it, look, in that business, if you're one of the top people, 
there, you know, it, it just depends on whether or not you do it with a smile or you're an asshole 24 seven while you're doing, pursuing those things. Uh, but having somebody like him there, yeah, there's going to be disruption. And for several months, you know, they were, the wrestling media wasn't covering it. And now, now you have some of these folks saying, well, see, this is, just, yeah, this is the stuff, this was going on a few months ago. And this is just what we'd heard a few months ago. Why didn't you talk about it a few months ago? I'm thinking of one guy in particular. Because Vince is a bigger name and Vince generates more traffic. I tell you, tell you, this is my theory as to why they're all of a sudden that Sauron's eye has turned towards AEW is because Vince is gone. And right now we're in the honeymoon phase with Triple H where Triple H can do no wrong. And we all know the negative news generates traffic. Like if we figured anything out about wrestling media, wrestling podcasts, wrestling interactions, it's the negative that gets the clicks. It's the negative that gets the views. It's the negative that generates the traffic. And right now, at least superficially, Triple H can do no wrong. And Tony Khan, now they need something to talk about. And now they're looking at, at AEW differently because they need content. Right. And that's, yeah. and that is, yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on there. And right now, because. Like Hunter isn't—he's not doing any of like the, the the weird, wacky Vince McMahon decisions that even sometimes we're like, "What the hell was that?" Okay, um, he hasn't done any of those yet. Well, and so he he doesn't give you the easy material, right, to to dump on. I don't know. Some folks say Leah and Raquel is probably. Oh, a we'll, step we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. Oh, we're going there tonight, Bubba. We'll don't worry about that. that. <laughs> we're going there. We'll get a beautiful that. piece of business, for the record. We'll, we'll absolutely that. wonderful piece of business. Oh, it, it was fun for me. It was absolutely fun for me. We'll, oh, we'll, I love it, baby. We'll, we'll get to Do that. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but um, they've done a complete 180, you know. And even people like you know, JD from New York, of all people, are have, bad douche. Yeah, now nah, look, let's and nah, let's not say his name anymore. We don't need to give him any more. Okay. Okay, but. <laughs> That I mean, notably negative, yeah, know, but rest, yeah, but so it's just it's it's the I mean, the you know the wave is going different now, um, and it's just it's it's funny because I mean because look we knew this was going to happen, right? Come on, they got Cody in and Vince out in the space of eight months. Yeah, this this, this was bound to happen, man. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, like we talked about last episode, Cody leaving was the catalyst. What When the guy that helped lay the first bricks leaves, there's yeah. a friggin' problem in your organization. Right. Right. And then the fact that it was him, he's an EVP. He was the guy, as I said a few weeks ago, he was the guy who left WWE before it was cool to do that. He was the kind of basically like the the... For all intents and purposes, the, the true founder of yeah, the company. No, forget everything else. That's his company. Yeah. Tony's the money, and, and the Young Bucks and Kenny definitely helped, but that was his company. Yeah. And so for him to just go, yeah. I mean, that, you know, that, of course, that's a red, that's a super huge red flag. Um, 
But again, these these wrestling media guys, they apparently they knew stuff a few months ago. And now they're just saying, oh, well, yeah, this is the stuff we thought. This is the stuff we've been hearing was happening. And okay, so why didn't you report on it then? Because you guys had no problem. And I'm 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 gotta you know I'm putting my cape on here, fellas, for a minute. You guys had no problem, not even 24 hours later, getting all of these sworn testimonies about you know the, the belt swap situation. Not even 24 hours later. Okay, and here we are months later talking about well we we we've been hearing this stuff a few months ago. Well, what the hell were you waiting for? Again, like I said months ago on this podcast, they're all terrified that Tony's going to lock them out. And now they're not scared anymore. They don't now because well, they're not scared anymore now. Apparently, no, because Hunter will let them in just enough. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because he he does right. talk to them. He'll he'll give them enough. Yeah, he he right. he he definitely funnels stuff to Sap. You know, we've known this for a while. Sap at least has enough of a of an inside track. Like he was, you know, privy to a lot of information and stuff that went on with NXT. If there are releases, SAP is usually one of the first ones in the know. So yeah, Triple H more so than Vince definitely, you know, allows a line of communication to get to these people. So for the record, it would seem that, you know, uh, Mr. SRS has become this generation's Meltzer, where it's okay, we're going to use you for stuff we don't want our letterhead on to, you know, get the, the news of us and just to mess with, you know, Sean. And I hope more of that continues. Yeah, and it's just, um, but it's just funny. It's funny that the, the way that the, the the whole wave turned. Because, you know, some, some of us who've been around for a while, we remember, you know, back around 1998 when another, when the wave turned and suddenly Eric Bischoff wasn't a genius anymore and Eric Bischoff was didn't know what he was doing. And there was some truth to that, of course. But that tide turned real fast on the internet, you know, after, you know, WrestleMania 14. <laughs> you know? Um, you know? Um, There's a whole discussion that we could probably have one night about that era. Because that was definitely a time when everybody was, look, like I said, Sauron's eye was pointed at AE, or Jesus, WCW at the time, and every dude they could do no wrong. They could do no right, even if they had a great show. Even if Nitro was awesome, there would be something that people would pick apart. But then WWE would have Booker T and Edge in a feud over a shampoo commercial, and everybody thought it was the greatest booking known to man. Or that The Rock, this is your life. That that went on for like almost a half hour. Okay, <laughs> and you know and. That was hailed as like this all-time great TV segment, um, and they've tried to duplicate it since with and, absolutely no success. Yeah, but I mean, but I remember in you know ninety in nineteen ninety six and in most of nineteen ninety seven, you know WWF could do nothing right, and WCW did everything right, and then in nineteen ninety eight, it it flipped, and and it, you know it flipped on a dime. And so I remember that. So this doesn't surprise me in the least that this has flipped on a dime here. But it's still funny to see. 
<laughs> Speaking of funny, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about that uh, that that women's tag team championship thing, and, and more noticeably, or more noticeably, God, I cannot talk tonight. More notably, <laughs> the fan outrage and, and the specifically the Tony Khan tweet in the wake of that. Because um, he made some type, because a lot of people were pissed off that that Raquel and Aaliyah won this thing, okay? And and I don't understand what the problem is with Raquel. I like Raquel. Um, I haven't seen enough of Aaliyah to like or dislike her either way. I think Raquel ha- is perfectly serviceable. I think she's a great big woman's wrestler. Um, she and she got a hell of a pop. I, she was she was the uh, the dark match at the SmackDown that I went to in the Amway Center about a month or so ago. And it was her and Sonya Deville, and she got one hell of a pop from Orlando. And her and Sonya had one hell. It wasn't a long match. It was five, six minutes. But it was they made the most of that five or six minutes. It was a it was a perfectly fine dark match. So I don't get so deep, the I don't get the Raquel hate. It's because she's MAGA. So deep, it's 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 okay. yeah. It was gonna say, two things. She's MAGA. Guys, she's I, I have I have friends that are MAGA, and it's 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 okay. Like unless they're like some kind of problematic, ridiculous thing, and none of my friends are. They just feel a certain way about certain political issues that happen to differ from mine. And the other thing with Raquel is, I think she she's a perfectly fine wrestler. I think sometimes she thinks she's a little stronger than she actually is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but she's perfectly fine. I mean. And I can't believe you haven't seen enough of Aaliyah's work. She's been there for 40 years. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, and honestly, so good for them. Like, Raquel's playing this weirdo character that I just don't... It doesn't jive with her actual personality at all. Um, regardless of what you think of her political beliefs. She's not this, you know, bubbly, okay, let's go kind of person. Right. So, I mean, God bless her. She's doing the best she can with it. She's got a million dollar smile, pal. And this, she really does have a really good smile. She does. And this podcast is, uh, I think we are, you know, well established Aaliyah fans, except DJ, apparently. Uh, You are, buddy. I'm, I don't, I don't don't hate her. It's not even, it's not even a, uh, that I'm a fan. It's just like, I want to give her like a, uh, you know, distinguished service medal or something like that. Like, Here's your participation trophy, pal. <laughs> I'm not begging for anyone to get fired. But I'm sorry, it's a stone-cold fact that every single round there are men and women who are way more talented than this girl that get let go. I'm not saying Lilias should have been let go at any point. But it's just funny. that it's like She's been this... She's avoided the hammer every single time. What, when you look at here. the talent that they have released, and then you... And this is not a knock... But right. then you look at Aaliyah, who, again, she's been there, like Jason said, for a dozen years. And I have I can count on one hand how many full Aaliyah matches that I've actually watched to completion. That includes one that never actually happened at a live SmackDown that I went to because Lacey Evans came out, cut this five-minute promo, and then walked out of the ring. But I can count on one hand with fingers left over how many matches of hers I've actually seen. But she's perfectly serviceable. <clears throat> she's fine for what they're asking her to do. And uh, she's an incredible emoter. Like yes. she, her emotes are the funniest thing in the ring, out the ring. Doesn't matter. She's she plays a cartoon character perfectly. Yeah, I guess. Well, 
I guess my my take is that they've at least this year they've shown that they don't really trust her to do a whole lot in the ring. And this is beyond, you know, us having some stupid internet opinion about her being a bad wrestler or whatever. They've shown through evidence that, like... Yeah. Because, you know, she had the three-second match with Natty, and then she's had these matches where she comes out to the ring for a match, and then the match doesn't happen, right? And, you know, and then, you know, and then even in some of her matches teaming with Raquel... Like it is, it has been egregious. Just Raquel's ha- doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, and, and, and some of those matches have been like handy, have been unofficial handicap matches. Yeah. Right? Um, Leah, I feel like every spot she does land, like she does, like some crazy running bulldog or something, like off of the turnbuckle or something. A spot you got to nail. You know, you can't make that. You know, halfway or something like that. I don't know. The spots she's been asked to do, she nails. So yeah, it's just. Yeah. They don't ask you to do like again. I, to me, it's just they very clearly they protect her. Yeah, and and they very Which clearly is, and yeah. you know and in a business that has protected a lot more people than people are willing to admit, I'm perfectly okay with them protecting Aaliyah. Like, I, yeah. like again, like we're not. I don't call for people unless you're the, unless you're like some damn deviant. You know, I'm not calling for you to get released. Um, right. Um, so, and uh, look, I have no issue with somebody getting the check and uh, none at all. And that's fine. Uh, and, and, you know, going back to Raquel, at least, I mean, okay. The general audience seems to like her just fine. It's the people on the internet. And a lot of it is cause she's MAGA. And my whole thing with that is one, it, it, it if that's going to be a disqualifier, then okay, how far are you willing to go with that? Right. Um, Because look, she's not like Jackson Riker was, you know, tweeting at his coworkers and all other types of shit, right? And stuff, and to the point where his own coworkers shouted him down, right? She's not doing that, all right? Um, And her two best friends are there, or at least the two people we see her, you know, buddy, buddy with the most are Bianca and Rhea Ripley. If her being MAGA is this like super disqualifier, then okay, what about the people who are her friends? Yeah. If she if also, she need if she needs to be run out of town for being MAGA, then her then what about the people who are her friends? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because I mean, what about that? Then if you want to play this game. And then how far are you willing to go with it? It, it ends up being a pretty long list. If you, if you want to break it down and be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, when and you go. It, also, but, up until very recently, you were putting, when you watched any of these programs, you were putting money in Vince McMahon's pocket. And I can tell you how he voted. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, this, like, the, the picky choosiness about it is kind of weird to me. Exactly, and I mean, most of the sports teams owner for whatever sports you watch, most of the owners vote Republican. Now they might do it for now they do it for tax cuts and all that stuff. They're not, you know, they're not all they're not all necessarily, you know, build the wall and throw people out of the country and all that kind of stuff. But 
right. still, at the end of the day, they, they vote for the people who do support that type of stuff. Right. Um, well, <clears throat> regardless of how she votes, I think that you could do far ver- worse than Raquel and Aaliyah as the inaugural, so to speak, tag team champions. Because I'm sure they're just going to get absolutely throttled by a heel team in a month, be it Sasha and, you know, Bianca, or Sasha and, excuse me, Naomi, uh, Naomi or, you know, whoever, uh, another heel team, whatever. Yeah, it's so it's not like they're going to be, you know, two-year champions. As right. we mark the two-year anniversary of the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, right. just thought I'd throw that in there real quick. Oh, yeah. And you know, I, I do have a little bit of a of a, of a, of a, of a diatribe to go on here about this very subject. Okay, go right into it. Well, and we'll we'll go into go into that, and then we'll probably go into another commercial. Okay, because a lot of and I and because Monday night I tweeted I said I said y'all are full of shit towards a lot of our wrestling fans because you know it's always give new people opportunities we need some new people to have some of these championships and granted i mean you know eo and dakota are new to the main roster but raquel is and Aaliyah are just as new to the main roster uh neither one neither one of them held any championships right and so you know, do you want new people to get opportunities, or do you just want the new people you like to get opportunities? And that is the thing. It's everybody wants it. Why won't they push new people? Well, I didn't mean that new person. And and by the way, thank you. Tell me that Raquel and you know Aaliyah aren't right for the pickings by Bailey, even though they've won this match. Like for by uh, uh I'm sorry, EO and. Dakota are going to get yes. the rubber match. Yes, and and they are probably at some point they are going to beat them for the championships, and yeah. so they will be champions soon enough. And yet here people out here having just uh, you know a complete meltdown. And I should also add that today's August thirty first, so about almost two months ago. You know, somebody else who got an opportunity who hadn't gotten one to hold the title yet. And we're not allowed to say so much as a cross word about her. Right. Right. Somebody right. who, oh, she's been there a long time, too. Oh, she works really hard, too. Oh, she's adorable, just like Aaliyah is, too. Yeah. And yet you can't say so much as a cross word about her or else you're a hater or you're a meanie or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, Monday, oh, it's free fire zone. Yeah. Right? I mean... It's the pick and choose your battles thing. And I think the thing about it irritates me the most, and this is wrestling fans do this thing where they all want immediate payoff. Nobody's here for the long-term story. They all, everybody wants long-term storytelling, until you get it, give it to them. That's one of the biggest complaints. WWE doesn't do long-term booking, doesn't do long-term storytelling. Why didn't Dakota and EO win the titles Monday night, you know, three weeks after they were debuted on the main roster? Like, don't you guys want to follow the story? Don't you want to see the twists and the turns and the side quests and everything else before you get to that payoff? I no, mean, they don't. How, how interesting is the Lord of the Rings trilogy if they drop the ring in the lava 30 minutes into the film? You know, it's, it's fucking ridiculous, guys. I mean, yes, you watch 24 episodes 
of a TV series where they're trying to catch a serial killer. What fun is the other 22 episodes if they catch the serial killer in episode three? Right. I mean, and, and look, and our buddy Ray Cash said this a while back on the Outsider's Edge. He said, do, do y'all want stories or do y'all just want shit to happen? They just want shit to happen. And Ray, Ray hits a home run with that comment. Yeah. Well, all right. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take another commercial break? Uh, and when we come back from the commercial break, uh, we're going to get into we've got Clash at the Castle coming this weekend. Uh, we're going to go around the room here a little bit, talk a little bit about that and give our predictions. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast on the Chair Shot Radio Network. We'll be back in a minute. And we're back here. And like I said before the break, we're going to get into Clash at the Castle, which is coming up this weekend from Cardiff. But first, we are debuting a new segment here today, the Genius Corner, with one Rob the Genius, the father of facts and figures, the deacon of data. Mr. Rob, what do you got for us this week? All righty. So one thing that's been just kind of said over and over since Triple H became head of creative you know, well, real wrestling is back, right? And, you know, and there have been people noting that, you know, several matches have gone longer and that, you know, there's more wrestling on the show. So I did what I want to do, which is, okay, it may feel that way, but is it really happening? So I went and I looked at, well, Hunter has been over, Hunter's been running the show for five weeks. So we have a pretty, that's a pretty easy sample size to look at. And then I, I, now I, I was just, I decided to get way out of control here and went all the way back to the beginning of this year <laughs> to look at. I, I, I'm going to give you a fair warning, buddy. I love you. We're not going that far into this tonight. Oh, <laughs> We're no, not no, going to no, dive no. that deep into it, okay? No, 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 no. Well, no, I, I, I chopped it up into very simple, okay, easy okay. to explain stuff. And so it comes down to this. All right. So they have the same, roughly the same number of matches. They have exactly the same number of matches every week, whether it's Vince or Hunter in charge. It's 6.8 matches a week, okay? Which is basic seven. All right. Is that between both shows or is that? That's just raw because oh, SmackDown. Just raw. Okay, you're just looking at raw. Okay. Because well, because SmackDown because it's only two hours and because so much of it is like the Roman Reigns Tribal Chief soap opera deal. I mean, the matches kind of you know it's it's match times can get shot to hell on SmackDown pretty easily. You know, it's 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 not a it's just it's not very consistent to measure. Okay. Um. But Raw it is three hours. They have basically six or seven matches every week. And they have those matches, plus they have all the other stuff. And it's a lot, it's a lot easier to just look at and it's a lot it's just it's a more consistent pattern of stuff on the show. So you can um, it's it's the more you can get a, a more fair and objective kind of measurement looking at that. So I did that, and so basically they, they both have the same number of matches every week, whether Vince or Hunter is in charge. Uh, the biggest difference, though, is that, yes, indeed, the matches are longer since Hunter has taken over. And what that means is that basically you can kind of use 10 minutes at the cutoff point as the kind of cutoff point. Now the rate of matches that went 10 minutes or longer has doubled since Hunter has been in charge. And 
the matches that are less than 10 minutes are to half as many as when Vince was in charge. So there's definitely, if you're looking for like concrete evidence of there being some difference between the two, um, that is a real thing. Uh, that's not just, you know, vibes or feelings or whatever. Um, it, it is very much a real thing, a real different thing that is, is going on now. So it's just a question of, well, I, you know, it just becomes now, you know, how does this, does he stick with this? Um, and is there, is this the kind of thing that can kind of get old after a while? Um, yeah, I can't speak for, obviously I don't speak for the entire audience. I speak for myself. Um, I know like the past couple of weeks for me, some of these longer matches have felt like they're dragging a bit. And not even because of what anybody is doing in those matches, just because it uh, to me, it's like some of these are just they're starting. To, some of these matches are starting to feel like they're dragging a bit now, for me. Um, I don't know how anybody else feels, but I don't know. Like, what do you guys think about it? You know, so far. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I'm gonna disagree with you. I like. I felt, especially Raw, I felt like it's been better paced recently than it has in a long, long time. Um, and I've enjoyed the match length, um, I think, because nobody felt like we were, like, nothing felt like a waste of time. Nothing felt like it got to that point. I understand what you're saying. Like, some of those matches that were, like, let's say 15 minutes could have been eight minutes and done the same thing. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, but at the same time... To me, anyway, I haven't noticed it drag at all. Yeah, I got to kind of agree with Jason. I don't think it's dragged. I'm. This is odd because I'm kind of with Rob. I think if your match is going more than 20 minutes, what are we doing here? Um, I think there are instances where it works, but that is something you pull out on a special occasion once in a while. Otherwise, it ceases to be special. And I think I always go back to John Cena and Cesaro. And they had, and I haven't clocked the match. Actually, I need to go back and watch it. It's been a while since I've seen it. Absolutely amazing banger of a match on Monday Night Raw. They gave this match away. This was a pay-per-view quality match on Raw. And they gave it away. And it feels like the guys went like 25 minutes. But it felt special. Because it was a rarity. And to me, that's what's important. I like a good long match once in a while. If they're going to start doing, you know, 20, 25-minute matches... On the regular on Raw, I think it's going to start to get a little long in the tooth, and you're gonna you're gonna lose that that magic of it. You know, it's I feel like most people should be able to get in and get a good piece of business done in five to eight minutes. You know, and five minutes doesn't sound like a whole lot, but if you're a really good worker, you can cram a whole lot of shit into five minutes. Like I said, um, Raquel and <clears throat> Sonya Deville in the dark match of the SmackDown that I went to had a five, about a five minute dark match. And it was a perfectly fine match. Was it a, you know, Meltzer five-star eight in the Tokyo Dome classic? Absolutely not. But for a match that never even made it on TV, something that was supposed to fire the crowd up, five minutes was perfectly serviceable. Yeah. Now, like, uh, for example, like this, this past Monday, um, we had, Four and four matches in a row, sixteen minutes, eleven, twelve, and then eleven. Um, last Monday we started out there was there was eighteen, thirteen, and then eleven, and then 
and then on the back end of the show there was 13 and then 19. Um, well, one thing that needs to be said for that, I didn't mean to cut you off, Rob. Okay. When you book those longer matches, keep in mind, somebody's got to sit down. You know, if you have one match that goes 18 minutes and the rest of them go 5 to 10, okay. But if you've got multiple matches, you're cutting out an entire match from somebody else who could have made TV time. So you got to pick and choose your battles here. Yeah. And, you know, and also, you know, because to me, it becomes a time crunch, basically. Um, And especially as you're bringing more people back, right? Um. And, and so, right, I mean, right now, I mean, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're nitpicking right now. Yes, of course. Um, but it is kind of one of those things to keep in mind as you go forward and to keep in mind, you know, as, you know, we keep calling or some of us keep calling for him to keep bringing more people in, bring these people back, move these people up in NXT, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I mean, at some point, something's going to have to give you can't keep bringing all these people in and keep having all of these matches go so long so it's going to be just interesting to see how he handles that and it should be said that it's and and i mean this in a a light-hearted because i love the guy at some point johnny gargano is going to be on tv yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay and i mean that in the nicest possible way because i'm a gargano fan but at some point that dude's going on tv and i don't think gargano's working a five to eight minute match ever oh boy the the one night it's gonna be him and seth rollins and they're gonna be walking to the ring at 10 30. god bless them <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're going to be walking to the ring at 10:30. Okay. Hey, you know what? They're going to wrestle a classic. So. Oh, and I'll be here for it. I'm here for Johnny Cargano and Seth Rollins, man. I'm here for. It. Like I said, I, that was bad. that was a lighthearted comment. Yeah, I, know, exactly. I love Johnny Gargano, oh. but it, it, it's fact. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, exactly. It's like asking Kenny Omega to have a short match. Not going to happen, man. Yeah. <laughs> But that, uh, that's it, because I, mean, I, I know we, we won't go forever, but that is just, the, that was an interesting piece of information that I dug into to see whether or not, you know, it was a real thing or not, and it is. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the first ever episode of the Genius Corner with Mr. Rob. We are going to go around the room here and talk a little bit of Clash at the Castle this weekend. Going to go down the card, give our predictions. Um, Starting off, I'm going to just start off here, uh, Edge and Rey Mysterio versus Judgment Day. And I'm going to lead off here. I hope, I hope, I hope, because I keep pulling for Judgment Day to actually be something. I hope they win. I, I, they got I, it. No offense to Edge. Nothing against Rey Mysterio. Judge, if Judgment Day does not win on Saturday, disband on Monday. And shut it down. Break them up. Send them all in their own separate directions. Because at that point, the wheels have come off the bus. Yeah, man. They they need this because if if not, all the air is out of that balloon. Yep. And wow, that's what Edge came back from the dead for. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. I feel like we can continue this story with Judgment Day winning. Yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, um, even you know, if we, they win dastardly style, who cares? Yeah. And I guess 
well, I guess the the million dollar question is: Is Beth Phoenix coming back to wrestle? Because right. if she's going, if she is coming back to, and then then to have the inevitable match with Rhea, then obviously you keep it going. If she's not, then pack it up. Um, she tweeted a picture, pal. She's in the gym. Yeah, course, I mean, she's always yeah. in the gym. Well, yeah. But... <laughs> so it's just, um, man. When we, you know, we, we talked about this at length a couple of weeks ago, but you know the short version again. When all the stuff they do that that, that hits is stuff that involves Edge, whether whether he was the leader or now fighting them. When he's not around, the air goes out of the balloon. Um. So yeah. Um. At this point, Hunter. You know, if if you got Beth secured to come back, then great. If not, then, you know, it's, it's time to shut her down here. All right. Let's or, move on to the or, – sorry, Jason, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say one quick thing. Or have them win, have them keep rolling, and not treat them like bozos in the future. That's really all you got to do with those guys. Well, yeah. M- make them at least – make them – if you're not going to make them, like, top-level dominant, make them dominate the mid-card. That's perfectly okay. Right. You can't have them getting, you know, beaten up like they're the Foot Clan or something. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Next up, and this is in no particular order as to how the card is going to be laid out uh, on Saturday. Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka versus Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. Uh, looking forward to this one. Looking to, looking forward to seeing these girls mix it up. Uh, I I think Bailey, Dakota, and Io win this one. Yeah, I think that's a – I mean, again, if they – okay, they lost the tag team tournament, they're going to lose this match. Like, yeah. Again, you run into the same situation as you do with Judgment Day. Granted, they haven't been around as long as Judgment Day. There's still time to salvage it if they lose, but it's the same type of scenario. What kind of power do these women have if they can't win it when it counts? Right. Meanwhile, you don't need to protect the – I know she's the women's champion, but you don't need to protect the slap-together team of – you know, Bianca, Alexa, and uh, Asuka. No, they lose no. nothing by losing on Saturday. Right. No. So I, yeah, same here. So I think this, this will be a fun match. Uh, Bianca probably doesn't take the pin. Oh, That's oh, about oh, it. Not. Yeah, I mean, oh, no, I think, um, yeah, I mean. I think Alexa. Yeah, Alexa. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think she's going to be the one <laughs> taking the L here. Um, yeah. It's, it's really, um, man, it's just kind of weird. She's been in this kind of limbo all year, um, you know. Um, and not- she knows it. She's been I, vocal about it. Yeah. Yeah, but I firmly believe she's just in a holding pattern. They're like, we're we're keeping you in the back pocket pocket until we need another big bad, and then we're gonna let you off the leash. Yeah, because yeah. she's somebody who can pull those characters. Yep. Yeah. Well, she Alexa pull Alexa Bliss pulls off characters really well. Oh. And she could be a heel champion, you know, snap your fingers. Yep. Yeah. So. All right, let's go into another one I don't think a lot of us have a whole lot to say about. Uh, SmackDown Women's Champion Liv Morgan putting the championship on the line against a very dominant Shayna Baszler. Uh, I, I want Shayna Liv's, to win. Uh, I think Liv squeaks one more out. 
I think this is this is by hook or by crook. I think yeah, I, I, but I feel like with Shayna Baszler, it's now or never. Triple H is in charge. Shayna Baszler yeah. was one of his. Yeah. Do you do the thing uh, with her now and finally give people no. the Shayna Baszler that they thought they were getting? DJ, I'm even saying you could have her win this match and then lose on Monday, like get a rematch and lose on Monday. Like, yeah. But I, I just think at this. This is one last one she squeaks out. Okay. Rob? Oh, man. Um, so I guess the question for me, the question is, all right, I do think she squeaks this one out. And then after that, you know, the angel of death is coming in one of two forms. Um, <laughs> Liv Morgan goes on the clock after Saturday, huh? Yeah, and, and it, the question is just, Will she be tapping out to an arm bar or will she be tapping out to the figure eight? Um, mm. um, Personally, I think it's going to end up being the figure eight. Um, I just, I think, you know, um, and well, I mean, I, well, I think it depends on a lot depends on what, what they want to do with Rhonda, right? If, if they're somehow going to send Rhonda over to raw, you know, next year or something, then I it depends. I just depends on where Rhonda's going to be. Rhonda's staying on right. SmackDown. I think Rhonda beats her. If they're going to send her over to Raw to set things in motion with Becky, then I think Charlotte beats her. Um, but I think here, the only question is, does she get more of a proper victory or is this going to be another slip on the banana peel situation? Yeah. All right, so let's move into the three matches that I'm most looking forward to. and We're going to lead off here with uh, Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins. Man, has this one gotten personal. Like, yeah, man. man, this guy, this guy, as good old JR would say, bowling shoe ugly real quick yeah. on, on Monday night. Um, yeah. <laughs> I expect no less than a classic from these two guys. You can say what you want about Matt Riddle. We're not going to get into his, his personal yeah. life or anything to do with that. I'm talking strictly the guy I see on my TV week in and week out. He's putting in incredible work, not only as a wrestler, but as a character. Um, and Seth Rollins is my boy. I mean, Seth is my dude. I expect these two guys to tear the hell out of each other on Saturday. Um, uh, I'm going with my boy. I'm pulling Seth Rollins. Rob, what do you got? Um, yeah, I think he gets this one because, yeah, I think I think he gets this one. And you know, and look, they they can run it back in Extreme Rules. I mean, he can look, he can do another three-match thing like he did with Edge last year, really. I mean, they can do it here. They yeah. got to go to Extreme Rules, and then, you know, they then they go to Saudi, I think, after that, and they can, you know, blow it off there. Um, I think Seth wins here. And let me just make a note, because um, everybody was raving about the, you know, your wife left you, left your bitch ass for Monday. Um, that type of stuff hits a lot better when you don't do it very often. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Because that's was what wondering. everybody's saying. They're like, "What did Seth say?" <laughs> yeah. And to me, the because best part it was felt, yeah. it felt real and unscripted. Right, and then he and then he called him bitch a second time after that, and then, <laughs> but again, it it worked. One of the reasons it hit so well was because they don't say it every week. Right. Yep. There, there's a company in Jacksonville that can stand to learn that. Right. Jason. Yes, sir. What do you think? Oh, Mismatch. Rollins. Uh, Rollins. Rollins and Riddle. I'm going to go with Rollins as well. 
Um, I think, I mean, Riddle's fine. You could heat him back up in a nanosecond. Um, and uh, Seth, I feel like, needs a win. So, yeah, I and I just think the way that the winds are blowing on this one, but it's going to go Seth's way. But in any case, the match itself is going to be, like you said, it's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, I feel like they're going to go as hard-hitting as WWE lets them go. Yeah. Um, you know, that's going to be the closest to WWE strong style that you're going to get. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be fun <laughs> for those of us who like hard-hitting matches. Um, and, yeah, I, I expect Seth to win, though. I, you know, I keep saying that, you know, I expect Seth. I think we all pick Seth to win. But this could very well be the one no-contest match of the night. I think this could come down to Matt Riddle's temper gets the best of him, and he ends up either getting himself disqualified, there's some sort of count out, but I'm going to stick with my original prediction and say I, yeah, I'm looking for Seth to win this one. So, yeah. on to a match that I, man, I'm just licking my chops to see. Intercontinental champion Gunther against Sheamus. Sheamus is just... We've talked about Sheamus on this show before, and someday when he retires, we'll have a lengthy discussion if this is still, if this podcast is still a thing. Sheamus is awesome. Sheamus flies below so many radars as far as being underappreciated and things like that. He's a hell of a workhorse. He's a good throwback to that smash mouth, old school style that I love. I'm looking forward to meaty men slapping meat and him and Gunther just beating the snot out of each other. Yeah, we don't need to put over Sheamus anymore other than, other than to say he was already a Hall of Famer when I started watching in 2015, and he's only improved that resume. Um, so, yeah, and this match is going to be, yeah, for... Uh, oh, yeah. Excuse me. Those of us who like, the again, the hard-hitting, meaty men slapping meat, we're going we're gonna to feast uh, at the Clash Wars. And... For me, this is the match. I, this is the match I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. I mean, they're gonna beat the shit out of each other real good. And um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ten beats of the Bowery versus the Chop. Yeah. I hope I, he leans Gunther over those ropes and just pounds his chest into hamburger, man. And I mean, and they're back in in their home part of the world. Also, you know, they're gonna want to put on a, a show for the, the people there. I mean, look, I. I Sheamus winning that match a few weeks ago to get this title shot was one of, one of my like super happy moments of 2022. Because um, <laughs> I've grown to love Sheamus as a as a performer and a in ring competitor, and I'm I, you know I want I'm pushing for him to win. Look, I love Gunther also, but I mean Sheamus. You know, look, I don't, and look, y'all know I don't do the you deserve it thing, but if there's a, if there's a point where somebody deserves it, you know, him getting a big win in front at home like that, yeah, hell yeah, he deserves it. And look, Gunther, ask, he, Gunther go, can go win ahead. it back. Gunther can win the title back next month or whatever. It's fine. But you know, give the big get the get the big man the win here. Let him get his, complete his Grand Slam. You know. And all of that. I was just getting ready to bring that up. He's never won the Intercontinental Championship. Yep, this is the last one. La- last piece. Um, that's mind blowing to me. Sheamus has been there almost a dozen years, and everything he's done, he's never held the Intercontinental Championship. Nope, everything but yeah. that. <laughs> that's crazy to me. 
That's absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> Even when the money in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And cashed in. He was king of the ring. He was king of the ring. Because um, no intercontinental championship. Nope. Because on his Instagram, he uh, he actually posts a picture of. Yeah, he like, posts a picture. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Me. One more. One yep. more. He needs. Yep. So uh, get, get you know get the big fella his one more here. Gunther can win it back next month or at the next pay per view or whatever. It's fine. Um, or Gunther can move up the card. That too. Um. Yeah, if you don't think they're grooming that that guy for for a run at the top, you are not yeah. watching the same show I'm watching. Yeah, and yeah. oh, and look, he, I mean, he might very well might be to throw everybody out guy in the Royal Rumble this year. Yep, he might. He might be that guy. Hey, and also, I would I would very much enjoy a match between him and the Tribal Chief. Yeah, I don't think the Tribal Chief's pectoral muscles would enjoy it very much. Well, no. Probably, you know what? Tribal <laughs> Chief might bring back. Tribal Chief might bring back the chest protector one night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let me go back in the closet. Grab one of these bad boys. Yeah. That's good stuff. Speaking (laughs) of the Tribal Chief, let's get into the main event. Undisputed WWE Universal Championship on the line. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Man, this is the match that honestly, like, it has a lot of question marks in the air. Like, especially with this promo package that they've done with, uh, that they put out here lately with Drew McIntyre, which in classic WWE style would be every reason why he loses because they put all this pomp and circumstance into the promo package and he's going to lose anyway. But they put out this amazing promo package. They built all this hype up around Drew. It's been almost two years since he's really held the belt. Well, maybe not two years, but it's been a minute since he's held any type of championship. And it's possible that they find a way to get one of those belts. And I know, I know the unified championship is, is on the line here. It's not one title or the other, but this is WWE. This is pro wrestling. This is what they do on a daily basis. Do they find some kind of screwy way to have him not win, but still win? Or, I mean, are we looking at, you know, possibly Austin Theory coming out and, and trying to muck up another main event match. There, there's so many question marks in the air here. Or they could just throw us for a loop and go straight up with a Drew McIntyre victory. I, I can't pick a winner here. I, it, it's, it's so tough to call because you have so many different balls in the air. I mean, not only that, the fact that, you know, it would be a darn good story if Drew just straight up won. So there's that. There's also, you know, Karrion Cross is just, you know, lurking in the side on the sidelines. You know, he's made eyes at Drew. He's made eyes at Roman. They've done the hourglass thing. So, and obviously, as you mentioned, we have the Money in the Bank briefcase. So that they could instantly, they could change the rules on tomorrow. And they could just say... As soon as he catches in, they just say, this match is now for just the WWE Championship. Boom. We're done. So they, um, I, wouldn't, it, I wouldn't put it past them to do something like that. Like you said, DJ, something truly, you know, wrestling and silly and throw the rule book out. So, yeah, this one's almost impossible to call. Uh, I don't think, at the end of the day, no matter what, 
I feel like the blue belt will walk off with still with Roman Reigns. Okay. Now, now where the black belt is, I don't know. If I was actually made to bet gun to my head, I would say it is also still on Roman Reigns' shoulder. We're going to talk about that in a minute. I got one question to go around the room after Rob says his piece, and then and then we'll probably uh, we'll probably go home after that. Sure. Okay. So what I'm looking at, I'm looking at, okay, like what are the kind of pieces that they put on the table leading up to this match? Other than Drew and Roman, uh, we got Cross. So I think that, I don't think we get Austin Theory situation here. Because remember, going into SummerSlam, they alluded to it. They dropped hints. He, get, he cut promos about how he was going to do it. All of that. Um, they they haven't laid any, they haven't put it, you know, kind of planted any seeds about him being involved here. Now, no, that doesn't mean it, it won't happen, but I mean, as far as the seeds, as far as the seeds they planted here, it's Roman, Drew, Cross, Sammy, you know, Jimmy and Jay, and now Kevin Owens. Um, if there's any, you know, outside interference, you know, Gaga kind of stuff going on. That's where it's coming from. It's coming from that group somewhere. Um, and I, me, I'm just gonna play it straight. Um, look, they might all get involved. Okay, right? There might just be a big melee or whatever. Um, I'm gonna, and also they haven't, they haven't, you know, alluded or planted any seeds about splitting up the titles yet either. All the talk about splitting up the titles is from us and on Twitter, like. That's the only talk about splitting up the titles. There has been not a iota of anything mentioned on television about it. And we all know, or at least you should know, they usually, you know, nine times out of ten, when a big thing is coming, they plant seeds, they give you hints, they put people on the table, right? Um, None of that's been done as far as splitting up the titles yet. All the splitting up the title talk is coming from us. So I don't think, you know, the, the convoluted scenario where Roman loses the match but don't but still keeps the universal title, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think that's happening. Um, I don't think Theory gets involved this time either. Um, I think basically some members of, out of those people I mentioned get involved. Cross lays out Drew, Roman pins Drew, and then... And then we move on to Cross and Drew proper, you know, starting next week. Okay. So let me throw let me throw a question around the room when we're talking about, you know, splitting the titles and getting them off of Roman. Roman is largely on SmackDown. Now he has shown up on Raw here sporadically. But right now we are I'm still largely looking at Roman Reigns as a SmackDown roster guy, even though he is the unified WWE Universal Champion. He should be the champion over both shows. He largely is not. A lot of people want them to split up the championships. That way we can have a WWE Champion on Raw and a Universal Champion on SmackDown because people feel like there's not a championship brand represented on Raw. And that's where I disagree. Bianca Belair is holding down that show. Like, she's drawing people in. She's keeping the rate. The ratings have been on a steady uptick, like Rob mentioned in the chat earlier today, for four weeks. 
you know, Raw hasn't seen numbers around the 2 million mark in quite a while. And, you know, I looked at the numbers uh, for this past Monday. Hour one was just over 2 million. Hour two was just over 2 million. Hour three, in a rarity, didn't drop off that much. It was just under 2 million. And usually people go to bed for hour three. Yeah. So, you know, a show that Bianca Belair is on is drawing higher ratings. She's putting asses in the seats. She's holding down a the championship, you know, on that show. And, and I think she's doing a damn fine job of it. Do we need a quote unquote male main champion on that show? And right now I think the answer is no. So what do you guys think? I think, yeah, you can still get away with what you've been doing if you want to keep both belts on Roman. Uh, I just think the shows would be more interesting. It would flow better week to week if there was a male champion on both shows. Okay. Rob? Um, Okay. I think, well, one issue, I agree with everything you said about Bianca. I think there is a, there's the only thing, and this is not in common, it's just to hold court like that, like Roman does, you got to have, well, she doesn't have enough challengers to hold court like that long term. All right, Becky's on the show for however long. Um, she's got, obviously, her and Bailey are going to be doing the thing sometime soon. Um, she's already wrestled Oscar on TV. So whatever transpires between her and Bailey after that, um, you know, we're kind of at a, okay, well, now what? So now I think, but, well, I'm kind of rambling here because I'm kind of figuring out as I go here, to be honest. Um, would it be, is it, would it be easier for them to have a male champion, somebody to come out, you know, you know, to come out there at the beginning of every show or at the beginning of the second hour or whatever and kind of have that part of the show. Um, yes, it would be easier. And I don't know how you get there. And ultimately, I think long-term, you, you do need to do it. Because if if ultimately, if you're, if you're feeding all of your male contenders to Roman Reigns... Um, then, you know, it becomes a problem after a while. And some people think it's a problem now. But also, because, look, man, if he doesn't lose this here, if he doesn't lose Saturday, then just looking at the calendar, um, we're talking probably safe until WrestleMania at the earliest. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if he's going to go as... Now, if you just want to give him a, like a full year as the undisputed champion, I guess um, that could possibly be a thing. Um, I think, but for Raw, I think long long term, I think having because it, it makes the show easier to book, right? Because like, like with SmackDown, um, you know, you have your Roman stuff, and then you have the women's title situation. Like those are two kind of things that you can that you can pencil in every week. It's easy to book, etc. Um, right now, you don't really have that on Raw. I mean, Bobby is doing great as U.S. champion, but if Bobby runs through all the contenders as U.S. champion, you know, we're kind of in the same boat. Right. And then also, I mean, what I mean, what good is it for him to be? I mean, if he's going to be U.S. champion in perpetuity, 
I mean, he's somebody who should be challenging for world, universal, undisputed title, right? I mean, at some point. Well, so I and, think, and Bobby being, what, 44, 45 years old, the window is closing for that dude. So if you're going to push him back up to the main event scene, it's got to be within the next 12 to 24 months. And even, look, even if you're just going to put him in a WrestleMania main event and have him lose to Roman or whatever, you, you know, the clock is ticking. Right, for that. I mean, he's got at least, he's got either a Mania main event or a SummerSlam main event with Roman in him. But you can't wait too long. Right. Um, and so I think just from a logistics standpoint, they'd be better off if it, splitting those things up. Now, I'll be honest, I don't, you know, the whole give, give another guy a turn, I don't give a shit about that. Um, you know, I don't. You know, I mean, just by traditional history of the wrestling business, Roman would be your champion, and you wouldn't take the belt off of him until he's ready to take a break. Right. I mean, I mean, he's he's reached that point now. He's, I mean, he's reached as far as business, business he's doing, and all of that. He's reached. He is now. He's at that you know level. I mean, he's not the worldwide celebrity that Hulk Hogan was or whatever. But in terms of doing business for the wrestling company. Um, he's reached that level now. Yeah. So when you reach that level, you don't take the belt off the man. Okay? Yeah. You don't. Sorry, people. You just yeah. don't. Um, so, but logistically, I think long-term, it would be better for Raw to get the, you know, the black belt back over there um, so that you have another basically easy part of the show to book every week. Yeah. nothing else yep all right well on that note uh, let's take it home huh all been right. a good show tonight uh clash you clash it the castle is this weekend i'm ex- super excited one because it's on a saturday and two it's in the middle of the day for us folks you know it's i think the start time is what one o'clock here in the u.s eastern standard time um yes it is one and, and you know what that means Day drinking. <laughs> Day drinking with the pay-per-view. I'm looking forward to this one, baby. I like it. <laughs> that's right. So one, one, one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Okay. that's Got to remember that. Gotta, yeah, don't, don't, don't miss it, pal. You're going to get spoilers because we'll probably be talking about it in the I chat. I know, man. I know. Man. <laughs> oh, dude, if I'm at work when Roman loses the title at like, you know, 5 p.m. on a Saturday, I might not make it home. Jason's going to smoke himself into a coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, don't stop till I can't identify colors. All right. Look, look, look don't, don't be like Mike Tyson at the tennis match a couple of days ago, okay? Where he was just completely gone off of mushrooms. Oh, or my God. Oh, that video is amazing. You look at Tyson and the lights are on, but nobody's... I mean, he he's, he he, 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 was, he was there, but he was out of there. The I I and Mike was on another planet, pal. God, that was amazing. All right, you have been listening to the Mindless Wrestling Part, uh, the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. If I can say it, I've been awful tonight. My brain is jacked up. Part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can find us on thechairshot.com along with a ton of other great content. Uh, check us out there. I am your host, DJ. I'm going to go around the room here again and say goodnight and thank you to my co-hosts, 
a man bound and determined to go through a barbershop window, Bucky's tag team partner, Jason, sir. Good show tonight, Bab. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Love you guys. Hey, love you too, man. And from the Rob the Genius podcast, the minister of truth, the deacon of data, the father of facts and figures, Mr. Rob, thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Always good to be here. You've been listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring.